Hare Krishna, welcome to our Sunday free-for-all, our Sunday Bhagavatam class. Um, it is June 28, 2020. So today we're going to begin with Bhagavatam 1749. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So, uh, 1749 Sutta Uvacha Dharmyang Nyayang Sakarunam Nirvilikam Samang Mahat Raja Dharma Suto Rajnya Pratyananda Pacho Vijaha. So, read Prabhupada's purport. Sutta Goswami said, O Brahmanas, King Yudhisthira fully supported the statements of the queen, which were in accordance with the principles of religion and were justified, glorious, full of mercy and equity and without duplicity. So um, let's look at this. Sutta Vacha, Sutta said, uh, So in terms of simple grammar, the, the noun, the verb here, the noun is Raja, the king. Pratyananda, uh, welcomed. Prabhupada says here, uh, fully supported or, or um, Yes, fully supported is how he translates this. So, uh, Pratyananda, fully supported, or welcomed them. Welcomed these words of, so, so Raja Pratyananda Bacho, the king, uh, welcomed the words. That, that's the, uh, that's the, I, I, just, I thought I'd just tell you what Pratyananda means. That's the verb, what the king did. I think it's interesting to get. He greet to greet cheerfully, to salute, or show respect to, to welcome, uh, to address kindly, favor, to receive joyfully. Nund, the word nund, that verb in Sanskrit, it, it means it expresses pleasure, or joy, as in the word ananda, the word ananda, or Krishna is called nanda nandana, nandana, the joy of nanda maharaj. So it means uh, this word pratyanan. Prati means from another person. Uh, to receive joyfully or thankfully. To accept willingly. So the king, Yudhisthira, accepted willingly, received joyfully, thankfully, saluted, uh, welcomed, vacho, the statement. So that's... Uh, Going into a little detail here. So the king, Raja, welcomed, was thankful for the words, Rajnyaha, of the queen. King welcomed the words of the queen. Dvijaha, in the last line, means that uh, Sutta is addressing the sages, or twice-born people. And the words, which were uh, dharmyam, in accord with dharma, uh, I think this also expresses how Yudhisthira found these words. Nyayam, uh, just, just or reasonable. Sakarunam, merciful. Nirvilikam, without duplicity. 
In other words, Draupadi had no other motive. She wasn't saying that because she wanted something else or wanted to avoid something else. She was speaking from her heart, nirvilikam, samang, uh, sort of balanced, and mahat. Uh, glorious, Prabhupada translated, glorious or great. They showed her own greatness of, of spirit. So Yudhisthira has accepted that, So, but it's not going to be that simple, as we're going to see. So then Nakula Sahadevascha, and it's interesting because Yudhisthira, uh, so first let's see what happens. So Draupadi has allies here. Uh, Yudhisthira, the king, he welcomed her words. He was happy with her words. And then Nakula and Sahadev also, Yuyudhana, which is surprising because he was one of the great Yadu warriors, one of the few survivors of Kurukshetra, just a super warrior. And yet somehow or other, he went along with the Dhananjaya, Arjuna, Bhagavan, Devaki Putra, and the Lord, son of Devaki, Jaychanye Jascha Joshita. And uh, other people there, and also other ladies, Jascha Joshita. So it seems like it seems like a consensus is building for Draupadi's statement, and then Tatra Aha Amarsita Bhimas, but Bhima is angry. Bhima doesn't accept it. Amarsita, he he can't tolerate this. And Tasyasayan Badhaksmita, he says that his speaking about. Um, Ashwatthama, killing him is is best according to authorities. Is better. It's better to kill him. Smritaha, according to authorities, Smritha. Prabhupada translates recorded literally means remembered, but it refers to Smriti in the law books. And so to say something is Smritaha is a short way of saying that in the Dharma Shastras. That's what it says. So. Bhima says, no, it's better to, according to authority, it's better to kill him. Nabhartur, not for his master, Duryodhana, not manas, charate, not in the interest of his master, nor in his own interest. Johan, Suktan, Sisun, Bratai, for no good reason, you, without any purpose, he killed these young sleeping boys. Tatraha Marsito Bhimas Tasyasayan Badaksmita Navartur Natmanas Charate Johan Suktan Sishun Prata. Sukta means sleeping. So Bhima is adamant, he's furious at that heat marsha. He can't, Bhima cannot uh, tolerate this. The word of Marshita, which describes uh, Bhima's state of mind. Uh, Is sorry for this little delay here, but anyway, that's what it means. Uh, he is indignant, uh, he was indignant, he was uh, angry, just just he's outraged. That, that's really what a marshita means here. He's angry, he's outraged, he's outraged at this idea. So, uh, 
And he's useless. There's no good. The battle was over. He says, Brita is useless. It had no purpose. The battle is already over. It wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna do anything. It was just for nothing. He killed these boys. So uh so we have a problem here. Bhima is not at all happy with this. So Nishamya Bhima Gaditam, Nishamya hearing Bhima Gaditam, a Bhima statement. Dropadyascha Chaturbhuja and Dropadi statement. And here Krishna is referred to as Chaturbhuja, forearm, because he's got two pure devotees who have very different views. And so he's going to need all four arms as Prabhupada says to kind of uh, sort this out. So Alokya Badanang Sakyur and glancing at the face of his friend. In other words, Krishna is looks over to Arjuna. He gives Arjuna a look like you know what to do. Hasandiva, and as if smiling or laughing, almost in a which is very interesting. Hasandiva, Prabhupada says, uh, he began to speak as if smiling. He said this, he said this. Hasan, uh, like Hasya Rasa, can be smiling, it can mean laughing, but he's so we assume he's not laughing because Dropani is obviously grieving, but he's he's got sort of this smile on him like he knows something, he knows what he's going to do, and he glances at Arjun because Arjun also is going to understand that they're such close friends. Krishna and Arjun are such close friends that Krishna just glances at him and Arjun will actually understand the point. So then Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. So now Lord Krishna speaks. Brahma Bandhur Nahantavya. He says a Brahma Bandhu, which means a friend or relative of a Brahmin. He's saying that obviously Ashwatthama is not a qualified Brahmin, but he's in a Brahmin family. And so therefore, Nahantavya is not to be killed. Nahantavya. Brahma Bandhur Nahantavya. Atatai Badarhana, but an aggressor deserves to be killed. So we have conflicting moral principles here. We have conflicting moral principles. And so then Krishna says, Mayat, Eva, and indeed by me, Ubayam, Amnatam. Both principles, uh, Amnatam, are, uh, are authoritative. I consider these are both Dharma. Don't kill a Brahma Bandhu. Don't kill, you know, uh, someone in the Brahman order and kill an aggressor. And these are both uh, legal principles. And, and I personally accept both of them because they're both coming from authority. So then Krishna, uh, clearly uh, speaking to Arjuna here, says, Paripahi, so preserve or protect, Prabhupada translates Paripahi, as uh, carry out uh, this ruling, Anushasanam, Prabhupada translates as rulings, it's singular. Uh, so Arjuna, that being the case, that we have two conflicting, we have two conflicting uh, legal principles. Here, of course, talking about sacred law, law coming from, uh, ultimately from God. So he's saying we have two conflicting uh, principles. So paripahi actually means to protect. Pa means to protect, like pala, gopala, the cow protector, the coward. 
and uh, Pahimam, we pray to Krishna, 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 Pahimam, protect me. So that's what the word pa is here, pa, uh, to protect or defend. And pari is interesting because pari means, as an English peri, like perimeter, means around. So it, it's a, in, in Sanskrit, to, to put this prefix pari forward, it means like completely or carefully. So like all around. So pari, pahi means protect fully uh anushasanam the ruling the legal judgment in a situation where there are conflicting rules so it's very it's very interesting it's a very interesting conversation here so krishna says atai vadarna mayaivo vayamanatam paripayanushasanam kuru pratishutang satyam literally make your promise true keep your promise Pratishrutam is a promise. Uh, and Kuru, in other words, like do your promise, like make your promise, Satyam, true, make your promise true, which is a way of saying keep your promise. You have to do what you said you were going to do. Keep, literally keep, make your promise true. Yet Tatsantoyata Priyam, the promise you made when you were comforting your beloved. Because remember, Arjun said to Draupadi, I will comfort you more at when you are standing on the head of this person. In other words, I'm going to cut his head off. So keep your promise. Make your promise true. The promise that you made when you were comforting Draupadi, your beloved. Priyamcha Bhima Senasya. Uh, and you should do what is pleasing to Bhima and to Panchali, your wife, and to me. In other words, you have to... So obviously, uh, Krishna is giving Arjun what seems to be an impossible order to show Arjun's intelligence and greatness. So here you have Bhima and Draupadi completely, with completely opposing positions, and then you have to understand Krishna's position, which he hasn't stated but Krishna is saying, you know what I would do. So it's very interesting. There's such an intimate friendship. Krishna is actually telling Arjun, you know what I would do. And you've heard what Bhima said. And you've heard what Draupadi said. And you have to keep your promise. You've got to do all of that. So, I mean, any ordinary person would be absolutely dumbfounded by all this. But Arjun, because he's so intelligent and knows Krishna so well, he actually knows what to do. He knows what Krishna means. That's how close they are. Because they've been doing this stuff together for many lives, as Narayan. So Sutu Vacha, Arjunaksahasagyaya, Harer Hardam, Atasina. So it's very interesting. So Arjun Sahasa all at once, suddenly or just immediately. Uh, Agyaya recognizing Harer uh, Hardam. Hardam comes in the word hrit, heart. So it's like understanding what's in Krishna's heart, what he means. The word Harda here comes from the word hrit, heart. And of course, obviously, cognate within this word heart, heart. So Harda in the dictionary means relating to or being in the heart. And also, therefore, can mean meaning 
It can mean love and kindness, like in the heart, but it also can mean meaning, intention, purpose. So recognizing Krishna's meaning, recognizing Krishna's intention, his purpose, it's important. The reason I go through all these definitions because the Sanskrit word, there's not one English word that really gives you all that's in the Sanskrit word. So by hearing more English words, it gives you, I think, a much clearer idea of what Krishna is actually saying. So in this case, Arjuna, what the Bhagavatam is saying, so Arjuna recognizing Krishna's meaning, his intention, his purpose. In other words, in his heart, hardam means that Krishna didn't say it, but it's really what Krishna's thinking and feeling. It's really, really what he means. So recognizing that, manin jahara murdhanyam, uh, Arjun, took away, just sort of removed the uh, Ashwatthama's crown jewel, is literally his head jewel, because Arjun had this. Uh, I mean, Ashwatthama had this this jewel, probably on a headband or something, diadem. He had this jewel on his head. That he was very proud of. And uh, Arjun Jahara, he removed it from the twice-born one, together with his mur dajam, his head born. So what is born out of your head? Hair. So mur dajam, head born, is a way of saying hair. It sounds good and sounds good. Sounds a little more awkward in English, but in Sanskrit it sounds fine. So manin jahara mur dhanyam, so he removed the jewel on his head, along with the hair on his head. And so let me read one more verse and I'll explain to you, like coming from modern culture, you might say like, what? That's the punishment? You give him a sort of a goofy haircut and take his the jewel off his head? I mean, how is that a punishment? Which might be a reaction. Uh, so then he drove him out of the camp. But so be first, I'll say a word about this uh, because the Bhagavatam is going to say that that is actually the way you kill a Brahmin, not by killing his body. In this uh, ancient culture, and to some extent still in certain parts of the world, including India and Muslim countries, um, there's a type of bodily symbolism, anatomical symbolism which is taken which is extremely important in terms of people's honor i mean to give an example the lowest part of the body and often the part of the body most likely to become dirty uh, of course are the feet the feet and so if you think about it when it says bande guru sri charanada vinda my you know i honor the feet of the guru it doesn't mean that a faithful disciple becomes a pedicurist. It doesn't mean you literally, your devotional service necessarily is to literally take care of your guru's feet. Uh, it's symbolic for most devotees. I mean, some devotees actually may massage or the guru's feet or whatever, but but it literally means, I mean, not literally, it, it, it means that to serve the guru in, in the most humble way because the feet being, in a sense, the lowest part of the body, 
to serve the feet is a way of saying to serve with all humility, serve the guru with all humility. And if you think about it, feet, the lotus feet, I mean, it's, it's just all over our scriptures, the songs we sing. It's a big deal. It's, a, you know, the feet, the feet of the guru, the feet of Krishna. It's a big thing in, our, in, 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 the, in the Vaishnav culture. It's everywhere. And my point is that the head is equally important, but in the opposite way. So that, for example, as I pointed out many times, the Bhagavatam five times, five times mentions the offense to Draupadi in the gambling hall. And all five times, the Bhagavatam says the offense was touching her hair. Touching her hair. Touching Draupadi's hair in an insulting way was a capital offense. It was, you get the death penalty for that. I mean, think about that. Because Krishna himself said that, you know, Draupadi said that, you know, to these men, you will die for this. And Krishna said, yeah, they will die for this. I'll personally see to that. So imagine something which is inconceivable to in modern the modern world, that the death penalty for touching the hair on the head of a most respectable lady. That was a death penalty. So obviously this sort of uh, anatomical, this bodily symbolism was taken extremely seriously. I mean, just to give an example of someone, if a disciple just walked up to Prabhupada without permission and, and, and put their, uh, leaned there, leaned on Prabhupada's head. I mean, you don't want to say it, but it would be, it would be like a horrible, unthinkable offense. Or the deity, just go up and sort of lean on the deity's head. It would be considered terrible offense. So even by devotees today. So in the case of Ashwatthama, He's, he was a so-called Brahmin, not a real Brahmin, of course. Just chopping his hair off and cutting off his jewel was was a almost like a mortal offense. It was it was like killing him. And of course, this is all culturally constructed. It's it's just this makes sense within a particular culture. But that was the culture, and Ashwatthama took it as like being killed. And of course, Krishna did the same thing with Rukmi, Rukmini's brother, when he offended Krishna. So vimucha rasana badham. So releasing Ashwatthama, who was rasana, means ropes, who was bound with ropes. So releasing him from, you know, untying him. Bala hatya hata prabham. Ashwatthama, who's... Prabham, his effulgence, his like you know, his glow was destroyed by killing young these young boys. Bala Hatya means killing these boys had killed his. Simply, it's actually the same word, Hatya and Hatta. If you have this verse in front of you, by killing the boys, he had killed his own effulgence, his own brilliance in life. He basically just self-destructed, and deprived of his prowess, deprived of his splendor and his jewel, 
of his, in other words, his whole, the whole splendor of his life, all the austerities he had performed, all his Brahminical studies, everything serving his father, his guru, all the accumulated, like Prabhupada used to say, his disciples were bright-faced, all this accumulated brilliance, it was all gone. And Shibiran, Arjun drove him out of the camp, drove him out like an animal. And he's just, you know, he's finished. So then the Bhagavatam says, and we'll take questions right after this. So there's any questions they should be sent in. Uh, vapanam. So cleaving hair is like vapanam means cutting the hair off. Dravinadhanam, uh, taking the wealth. You just take the, so cutting someone's hair like that, taking their property, their wealth. Stananiryapanam tata, and also driving them out of a place. Eshahi This is ki- the killing of a Brahmabandhu. This is the procedure to kill someone, a Brahmabandhu. Nanyosti daihika. And there is no other. You don't, daihika means from the word deha body. So uh, there's no other bodily killing, literally. No other, there's no other bodily killing. You don't kill the body, but this is the way you kill people in the, in the Brahman order. And the people in the Brahman order, and you have to remember this, you know, took it as something like being killed. They also took it that way. So again, you have to really take, at least in your mind, take very seriously how this culture is operating to understand what's going on here. So we'll stop there and we'll go to the questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, each of Pandu's sons had unique personalities and different qualities. Were they always in agreement with Krishna? Uh, they were like cousin brothers. They were friends. Of course, the younger Pandavas were like younger brothers. And in that culture, they had a lot of respect. But they would, yeah, they would discuss things. Uh, because Arjun talks about that in the Gita that forgive me when he sees the universal form, he really understands that Krishna is the almighty God. He says, forgive me because we were such close friends. I would, you know, joke with you and say things. And, 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 and they were, their relationship was centered on political affairs. They were involved constantly in these political discussions about kingship and about what to do with the, with the Kurus and, and Duryodhana. And so they would have discussions and Krishna would say something and someone else would say something and they'd maybe discuss it or have a little debate about it. So it was, it was a, they were like brothers and they would, um, and Krishna was engaged in that pastime. He would act like, so to speak, one of the boys, although he was Krishna. And so ultimately, ultimately he had the last word, but, but for example, Krishna wanted, Krishna and the other Pandavas wanted Yudhisthira to perform the Rajasuya sacrifice and, and Yudhisthira didn't want to do it because he was humble. And, but finally, Yudhisthira agreed. So, they, you know, they, they talked about things together. But they didn't, certainly didn't disagree on serious spiritual issues. Okay, translating from Portuguese, why did Krishna leave, let the, why did Krishna let the Pandavas 
go through so many tribulations if he could have uh, reestablished Dharma in the simplest way, for example, avoiding uh, the curse of Pandu or the birth of Duryodhana. Well, because that would not have satisfied Krishna's purpose in coming. Krishna had two purposes, or you could say two aspects of it. One purpose was, as he says in the Bhagavad Gita, to reestablish Dharma and to stop a Dharma. But the other purpose was to create a, an amazing historical theater to exhibit all these amazing activities which would interest people. I mean, for example, if Krishna, let's say, as this question suggests, what if Pandu had not been cursed and he just reestablished Dharma? And then he had his sons and they kept Dharma going and the Asuras were defeated. That would be a very short story. You know, there were demons in the world. Pandu became king, defeated the demons. The end. That would not, where's the story really? It would just be one of hundreds of saintly kings mentioned in the Shastra, Mahabharata, Bhagavatam, where there was a saintly king and he defeated the bad people and everyone was happy in the kingdom. So the whole purpose of Krishna coming is to create a blockbuster story. Kunti says that in her prayers, that uh, sages say that you came to this world so that in the future, people would be talking about you. And they would be, uh, so that's Krishna's strategy, to attract people to God, to Krishna, by giving them a better movie better story and so and of course the Pandavas being pure devotees they didn't suffer the way ordinary people suffer but it's a great story and that's why it's so popular so that was also Krishna's purpose uh, um, due to conditioning in our western culture there are so many aspects of Vedic culture that we are unaware of unaware when we are being offensive like stepping on ants etc what is the best way to beg forgiveness for things we are unaware that we are doing daily. Um, I would say that devotees are not doing so many bad things unaware. But of course, you know, those who don't understand Krishna consciousness do lots of things that they shouldn't be doing. Um, yeah, I mean, intention does matter. Intention does matter. And so if you're doing your best and trying to follow uh, Krishna consciousness as you've received it then uh, Krishna understands I don't think it's a big problem if we have sincerely tried to understand what our culture is as far as all the rituals that's not a big deal I mean, I mean what you have to understand is there were two there, there are really two parts of Vedic culture something which devotees often aren't aware of and that is People that lived in cities or villages and, and uh, they tended to perform a lot of rituals. 
they tended to perform a lot of rituals and there's this mantra for this and that mantra for that and all kinds. I mean, things which are not directly moral issues. Like, for example, stepping on an ant, the example given here. I mean, unnecessarily or intentionally killing another creature is a moral issue. It's a very serious moral issue. But let's say, for example, we don't know that in Vedic culture, some people perform this or that ritual or perform this or that mantra. That's not directly a moral issue. So, so you have these people who perform lots of rituals, normal people, but then you have sages that are kind of tired of all this. And they thought, let's just go to the forest and have a simpler life and just focus on what's important. And uh, forest, of course, one word for forest in Sanskrit is Aranya, like Vrindaranya. And so uh, these people composed books, which actually were the forerunners of the Upanishads, and also include the Upanishads. Uh, Aranyakas just mean the forest books, and then those were developed into the Upanishads. So if you look at the Upanishads, not so many rituals, but more focused on knowledge. So there were people in Vedic culture who did want to focus on philosophy and knowledge and not on all kinds of rituals and millions of rules. So, um, so again, if, if, if you are a sincere devotee, I'm not sure that you are committing a lot of offenses in your daily life. Uh, and of course, not killing innocent creatures it should be common sense, although it's not for most people in this degraded age. So uh, I will translate from Spanish. Uh, you repeatedly instruct that we should not sort of turn off our brain and we should not turn off our brain, stop thinking, and that we should learn scriptures in a rational way. So, uh, would it be bad that some of your disciples that are scholars uh, make a critical analysis uh, of some of my statements and declarations where uh, you support yourself with certain ideas or theses that invite an update? certain affirmations about social, I guess, social uh, issues that Prabhupada said, uh, because it is common that other disciples who are progressive, other disciples of yours who are progressive, attack with anger and insults and condemnation of those who try to understand your... Um, I guess your statements are trying to get things up to date. Anyway, I hope that people are not attacking with anger and insults. I mean, I think as devotees, um, with mutual respect, we should be able to discuss things. And uh, it's really important that we understand Shastra scriptures in a reasonable way. Krishna emphasizes being reasonable in the Bhagavad Gita. He actually emphasizes it, look at all the places where he uses the word booty. So uh, among sincere devotees who are not, their intention is not to offend, uh, 
or to insult, but simply trying to understand, uh, we should be able to have calm, reasonable discussions. That's what Brahmins did. They would discuss things. So uh, last question, can you please expand upon your comment about not taking the notion of serving the lotus feet literally? Uh, I think it's just, it's pretty simple. We just, you don't have to be, give the guru a pedicure. One time I massaged Prabhupada's feet actually, uh, during the last few months of his stay here in this world. And anyway, for various medical reasons, someone had to massage his feet and I was there. So I was asked to do that and I did it. But um, that was the only time I actually did that. The only time I would say physically I served his feet, but I tried to dedicate my life to serving his feet. So that's it's a simple point, I think. There's only, I've been told there's only one more verse in this chapter. So we'll just finish this chapter. Uh, did I, let's see. Okay, this here, last verse of this chapter. Putra shoka tuna sarve, pandava krishna ya. Swanam Ritanam Jat Krityam Chakur Nir Haranadi Kam. So uh we'll tell you this uh tell you what this verse means. It's just one word I thought I'd uh want to get a little closer look at here. Uh so the verse is uh, so all of them. So Ashwatthama is gone now. Sarve Pandavasa Krishnaya. So all of the Pandavas with Draupadi, Krishnaya means with Draupadi, uh, grieving, uh, disturbed by with grief for their sons. Sarve Pandavasa Krishnaya. Swanam Ritanam Jatkrityan Chakra. They did that which was to be done for their own dead. Rita, you understand for the English word, like the English word mortal, uh, like mortal combat means combat in which people die, mortality. So Rita, so their own, their own family who had died, they did what was to be done. In other words, they did the proper duties and rights what was to be done, Krityam, and they did what was to be done, including or, or beginning with taking out the bodies because they're actually, you know, you have to, you have to honor and, 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 and uh, take with the body, take the body away. There are these dead bodies. And so it's, it's kind of graphic. Nirharana means taking out in Sanskrit, Nirharana, but especially means taking out a body and a dead, uh, a dead body and Adikam, et cetera. So having grieved and, and being very, or said all of the Pandavas, of course, Krishna's there, Andropadi, now they just have to be practical. There are funeral uh, considerations. The bodies have to be properly taken care of. And there are different funeral rites that have to be performed. So now they have these very, very sad duties. So that's the end of this chapter. And another one more question came in. I'm translating from Spanish. What is the relation between perfect morality represented by Sri Krishna's teachings and punishment, particularly severe punishment, to Ashwatthama uh, punished 
with a long and painful life. Normally, one who attacks the devotees or the Lord in the Bhagavatam ends up dying. Why was this different? Well, because he was a Brahmin, so-called Brahmin, Brahmabandhu. Because the other cases where people are killed, they're normally Kshatriyas who are also fighting. Uh, so aggressors who are actually... So, I mean, obviously, on the battlefield, they would have killed Ashwatthama, and they tried to kill Ashwatthama. And there's all these rules. It's, in, it's right in the Bhagavatam, in the first canto, that you do not kill an enemy who has no weapons or an enemy who is not fighting back or who's afraid. And so Ashwatthama, who was really afraid and disturbed and had no weapon, so he checked a lot of boxes, so to speak. I mean, for various reasons, according to Kshatriya Dharma, uh, he, you know, you can't attack someone in that situation. Although he, if he would have been in a battlefield and fighting, they would have killed him. So basically, Krishna and his devotees followed the rules. And that's what Krishna explained. So thank you all very much for listening. Uh, and we hope, I hope you'll, you'll be there next, next week. Hare Krishna.